Welcome back to the Cosmosphere Podcast. This is episode 16. I'm your host, John Molnix, and I'm a volunteer here at the Cosmosphere. We're back from what was an unexpected couple of month long hiatus. I had a career change and I'm just now getting back to the point where I have time to volunteer. All of us here appreciate your patience in getting these episodes out. We will be coming back to the monthly schedule from here on out. I drove out to Kansas earlier this week so I could come to the Cosmosphere's Spaceworks facility to see the Moker consoles one last time before they head back to Houston. In today's episode, you're going to hear my conversation with Jack Graber, the Vice President of Exhibits and Technology here at the Cosmosphere. We were in the Spaceworks facility, so there is going to be some echo, but the reason we were seated in the Spaceworks facility is we were actually using the Flight Director's console, the same one used by Gene Krantz, Glenn Lunny, Jerry Griffin, Milt Windler, and many more Flight Directors. That was one of the coolest experiences I have ever had while doing this podcast, so bear with us on that audio. It's a little bit more echoey than normal, but the setting for doing that recording was just unbeatable. Be sure to check out the show notes for pictures of the recording setup that we had for today's episode. After we hear from Jack, you'll also hear from Carla. She's got a lot of news about what's going on at the Cosmosphere this summer. With the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11 rapidly approaching, there is going to be a ton of incredible things to do here at the Cosmosphere, so be sure to make a trip out here during the Apollo 11 celebrations. Also, here's a quick note on some new audio you're going to hear in these episodes going forward. I recorded some buttons and switches on the flight director's console, and you're going to hear these sounds during the new segment transitions we're rolling out in the podcast. I figured I needed to record these switches since the consoles will no longer be accessible to the public once they return to Johnson Space Center. Okay, all flight controllers, gonna go for power descent. Retro? Go. Fido? Go. Guidance? Go. Control? Go. Telcom? Go. GNC? Go. Ecom? Go. Surgeon? Go. Capcom, we're go for power descent. So I was lucky enough to be at Spaceworks when the first set of consoles was delivered back in January of 2018. We've, we've come a long way since then. Um, you know, as we're wrapping up for the Mocha restoration project, we want to be able to take some time to sit down and talk about all of the cool things that you've learned over the past year and a half um, as sure. part of this project. So thanks for coming back on the podcast. Oh, no, thanks for having me. Enjoy being here. For sure. Uh, first off, on behalf of all the space history buffs, um, thank you for doing this project because this is really it's it's preserving a piece of NASA history that is super important. Oh, it is. I agree. And I'm, I'm really glad that uh, Johnson Space Center finally got the okay and they were able to get the funding and everything to do it because, yeah, it, um, the condition it was in, you know, a year and a half ago, you know, was a, like you say, it, it was just too bad. Um, and it, um, the importance of the room, you know, while, yeah, the, you know, Armstrong and those guys that walked on the moon were not there. I mean, it was just as important, you know, as that piece of it. So, 
it may not have gotten all the flash, but um, it had the bang. Let's yeah. put it that way. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> you know, and as you're wrapping up, how does it feel to be pretty much done? I mean, there's a few little loose ends, I think, to do, but yeah, how does it feel? Um, it feels really good. Uh, you know, you still look at it, you come in, and you're like, you know, what else can we do? What else? You know, you can always can always do more. You know, it did it, it, type of thing that never ends. But, um, no, it feels really good. I'm sad to see it go. It's been a really fun project, um, you know, which could have it for another 18 months. But um, at the same time, you're glad to see it done. You're excited to get it down there and, and put it back the way it was. So, Well, and, you know, other projects, how does this project compare to everything else that you've done at Spaceworks? Um, yeah, it's it's been different for sure. Um, we've done a lot more spacecraft, and so you have more. Um, this has been a more of a longer span of, of, a, of a project. Um, uh, you know, doing the Geminis, restoring some of the Geminis, some of the Apollos for sure is really cool, the stuff that's been in space. Yeah. Um, but this is just, it's been a unique uh, project in itself is, you know, what we're restoring and the, the magnitude of it and... Um, so it, it's been great. It's been exciting. It's been a lot of fun. And um, I'd love to do one again. <laughs> so, you know, as part of the project, you've talked to listeners before about some of the cool things that have been found while restoring. Can you talk about a, a couple of your favorite pieces? Yeah, probably some, you know, some of the stuff. We didn't really find a whole lot of historical stuff simply because um, you have to remember these were used clear through shuttle. So they were inspected every year. Parts were inspected. Um, one of, you know, there were stickers that we had to take off that said, you know, inspected 2018, 2017, 16, you know, all the way, you know, to 19, you know, whenever. Wow. So, yeah, even though they weren't being used, somebody came and always did an inspection on them every year because a lot of the stuff had um, part numbers that were in inventory. So they had to make sure that all of the inventory was good every year and that kind of stuff. So we didn't necessarily find just a lot of historical stuff because uh, that stuff wasn't left alone. Um, some of the coolest stuff that we found uh, had to do with the technology in it. Um, some of the wiring, some of the uh, modules, some of the like the digit displays. Um, when we we had a monitor that was actually used in the Apollo era, we didn't have enough to put back, but we had one. And the way that they would light the numbers was an individual number on a lens that was lit by an individual bulb behind it. So today when you see numbers lit up and it's like a, a dot matrix display or it's, you know, type of thing, this basically was like shining a flashlight through a lens that had the number four or five on and then it would display up on the channel indicator. And so some of that stuff was really cool. The technology they had that was, quote, cutting edge. And it was, um, you know, and you're just like, wow, that's really, you know, <laughs> you know but Pretty that ingenious. was some of the coolest stuff was the stuff behind the panels for us. Well, that took up a lot of space, um, oh, generated a lot of heat. So, a lot of weight. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the pieces were the power supplies, the uh, units themselves, everything was big, bulky, heavy. Um, thus, the consoles, the way they are, all the uh, ventilation the consoles had, um, that type of thing. So, yeah. Um, you know, compared to what we use today, you know, you can buy a flash drive, you know, I think I saw the other day, you can now buy a one terabyte micro SD card, you know, that would have, you know, yeah, I mean, you could have stored everything they had, you know, probably at NASA, you know, so yeah, you know, you're talking something that, you know, the size of smaller than a dime, you know, so. It's amazing how much has changed. And, you know, speaking of change, part of 
the restoration for these is making sure that future generations can enjoy them. Sure. So that necessitated a few things like the switch from CRTs to LCD panels. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So when we started this out, um, one of the things we also had to do was the historical society was there and we had to um, um, come to an agreement with them. I don't know if that's the best phrase, but basically uh, align with them is, is what we were going to use, what, what we were going to do with them and that type of thing. And so we all agreed that because the old CRTs, especially there were two different CRTs, maybe even three, but two that we know of that were used between the Apollo shuttle and then what we put in now. And so the Apollo ones are even older than what were in there when we got these in January of 2000. Those were the shuttle era monitors, and they were a little bit different okay. uh, shape on the front. They didn't have the channel indicator. But anyway, the Apollo ones were the old tube CRTs. And so we all, you know, we know that especially to use those, why they may turn on, you don't know if they're going to turn on tomorrow. Yeah. Um, you may be able to get some tubes on eBay or something like that and find some parts, but you're not going to find, um, I don't remember the exact monitor count, but you're not going to find enough for every monitor in all the consoles. So in order to do that, in order to replicate, um, we knew we were going to have to switch them to something more reliable. Sure. Um, and so, and that's why we went with the LCDs and we made them retrofit. Um, we got a great company we work with. Um, and we're able to do that just for reliability so that they can um, be there. And they're, and the other thing is they're, main, they're maintainable. Yeah. So if one goes out, we can get another one um, and, and do that where the other ones, yeah, they're hard to come by. Well, and the, the Apollo era CRT monitors were really special. For for the time, it was incredible. Like you were talking about the resolution last time I was here. So if you could just share, yeah, those, they, the you know, a lot of this stuff was cutting edge, and and why, you know, you look at it and stuff. But like the the monitors had double the resolution than a normal one would, double lines of resolution, um, for the data and everything to make it as sharp and as clear. You know, because these guys had, you know, astronauts' lives on the line. And so I'm sure, you know, they didn't want to mistake an 8 for a 3 or a 7 for a 1, you know, that type of thing. So you know, these guys had to have accurate information and be sure of everything. You know, there was no guesswork, so there couldn't be any guesswork. Um, and the more you learn about even stuff like the reentry angle and all that kind of stuff, I mean, it had to be right. I mean, there wasn't, well, I think so. Let's try it, you know. There wasn't any of that. So, Yeah. So it was pretty neat. Well, and the other thing, too, since we're on kind of a technical topic here, is the other, um, a lot of the old switches and everything, it wasn't just the CRT tubes that were replaced. Um, the lights for all of the buttons on the panels, those went from incandescent bulbs to LEDs. Right, correct. Yeah, and, and one of the reasons, too, again, for longevity, um, that type of thing, and also for heat, um, and uh, they would get hot enough that you could feel it on your fingertip, and then, you know, it would even uh, warp the lenses a little bit. Um, yeah, so they got hot, um, and the power consumption. Um, you know, wish your reader, you know, wish your listeners, wish I had a picture. We've sent all the old power supplies back, but we literally had a power supply, you know, basically the size of your home stereo, um, of a home stereo receiver, maybe even a little bit bigger that, you know, powered these things, you know, at 24 volts. And now we have a power supply that powers all the lights that we have lit on a console that's the size of a matchbox, you know, <laughs> and it's down to five volts. And so, yeah, it's just 
the, the technology is just, it's amazing. But, um, yeah, so, again, working with the historical society, making sure, you know, we can preserve these things. Um, and, um, you know, LED is going to last a lot longer, going to take a long time to burn out, uh, that type of thing. So, and again, for maintainability, you know, we can still get more LEDs. Yep. I'm sure you can still get incandescents too, but just, yeah. Longer term. Yeah, longer term. So well, there were some of that that we would, there had to be a little bit of that trade-off from being, quote, 100% historically accurate to also, hey, these things have to, you know, last a little while. Sure. And that's actually kind of what I want to talk about next is these consoles were used from the beginning of Apollo up through the early years of the shuttle program. So, I mean, because of that, they were designed to support multiple types of missions. Um, So there are going to be instances on these uh, panels where something is, you know, how it was during the shuttle program. And talk about the reasons why those pieces weren't replaced. Sure. So as we sat down and we looked at these things, we said, all right, you know, we have this console. They were used actually from the Gemini, um, some of the, the, the latter Gemini missions okay. all the way into the shuttle. And we were like, okay, so we're picking Apollo 11, obviously, because that's a significant moment in time man landed on the moon, right? One of the questions that came up was, well, hey, what about Gemini? What about shuttle? You know, how are we going to represent that? What are we just going to forget completely about that? You know, what about because it was used for shuttle, you know, even Challenger was, you know, was in the Challenger mission. So while, yes, we configured the consoles for Apollo 15 and the room is being set for Apollo 11, there were some components that were very, very close. Um, There are a few differences, um, but were original to the console. And so we said, you know what? We're going to leave those in as kind of a tribute to shuttle um as to the other programs it's very very close um hopefully um you know um people understand that you know we're trying to tribute like i said you know trying to hey this is a shuttle piece um while it may not be necessarily displayed like that that was the whole reasoning behind it was um it, it is original to the console and that way we don't remake everything um we don't uh we didn't refab every piece of that there are some real, true, honest to God working pieces that are left in the console um, as much as we could. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think that I think you've struck a great balance between all of those constraints. So, yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah, it was like I said, it was it was kind of a unique challenge because, yeah, we don't I mean, the shuttle program was important as well. And we don't just want to completely forget about it, you know. Yeah, it's not walking on the moon, but... There's a lot of important firsts. Yeah, and we learned a bunch of information from the shuttle missions, you know, a lot from those. So, very important. If you had to pick a favorite console, which one would it be? Man, probably... Probably... I'll, I'll give it two. The Inco is probably one of our favorites because if you look at what it was when it came and what it is now, they're completely completely changed it was a three bay when we got it it wasn't even the right size um we had to get a shell of one and you know remake things and everything and it's one of the busiest ones um so yeah you know while the flight director one is cool yeah come on you know it's the flight directors you know um the inco was really pretty cool and is that the one at the end over yeah, there that's the one at the okay. end i've met ed Medell. okay you know and so and i met gene too you know and they're 
just tremendous guy. I mean, they're just all tremendous people. They really are. They're, you know, phenomenal. It's cool to, you know, have met that person that sat behind it, you know, and then yeah. and make it, go, ah, I met that, you know, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I agree. I, you know, every time I see these consoles in here, it just, yeah, you get chills just oh, yeah. knowing everything that was done with these machines that's just incredible yeah and you know and even you know that's one of the things that we kind of sit back sometimes and you don't you know think of all the emotions that went in from gemini to landing on the moon to apollo 13 to the challenger you know all the emotions and people that sat behind these things you know wow you know it's just overwhelming a little bit you know and you just kind of wow yeah, it's it's definitely overwhelming. What an institution, yeah. You know? Well, you know, we're we're here recording in Spaceworks, so we're actually, you know, it's radio, so you can't see it, but we are actually at the flight director's console, which yeah, yeah. I, I have just, to say, like that's that's probably the coolest place I've ever recorded sure. and ever will record. Yeah, the you know, one of the one of our biggest challenges, really. You know, and at, at some point in time, we kind of had to pull the trigger and, and kind of go with uh, maybe like a gut feeling or that type of thing was, what is historically accurate and what is your proof in a sense? Um, you know, because obviously during Apollo 11, they didn't want a lot of, you know, especially during the landing, I'm sure there was not a lot of people with cameras and media walking around saying, move out of the way, let me get a picture of your, you know, console. And so... You know, you have images um, that we got from NASA that you can find a few online, still images, you know, that will have some documentation of, for example, what buttons were on, what channel was selected, what was on the monitor. But all that stuff changed in a moment in time, you know. Um, people were calling other people and, you know, might have switched to screen, you know, in a channel and that kind of stuff. So um, that was kind of the challenge, too, was, okay, you know, we have we have three pictures. Which one do we pick for the phone buttons? To which ones do we light up? You know, um, and so you'd find the best one you could, and uh, you know, it's a again, it's a representation of what it would have looked like during the mission. Is it, uh, you know, is it the the end all be all of what it looked like? No, it's just simply a representation of. Hey, this is what it would have looked like with the phone on. These are some of the buttons that would have been on. Obviously, not all of them would have been on. None of them would have been on, you know, that type of thing. And so um, that was our, our, our goal with the historical side and everything was to be a representation of a working console. Well, and seeing these lit up for the first time, like all of them yesterday. Yeah. It was, I mean, like I, I've seen, you know, pictures and video and it got me as close as I think I'll ever be in terms of that historical flavor. So yeah. I, th I think you did a great job. Well, thanks. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And it, I th it's going to be really exciting because as you look at the pictures like we have here, uh, I know your listeners can't see, we have a couple of pictures here of Gene Cran sitting behind the, the console and you see all the paraphernalia that's on it. Books, coffee mugs, ashtrays, um, folders, papers everywhere, you know, so... You know, that's the other thing we're really looking forward to is getting that room, getting all the consoles back in the room, getting them lit up and then getting, you know, all that stuff on it because that is part of the room. They weren't blank consoles, you know, the desks cleared off. Their guys are working behind yeah. them, you know, <laughs> working hard. A lot of smoke, too. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of smoke. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, goodness. Well, Jack, I really thank you for taking the time again. This has just been 
such a treat to see these. Oh yeah, no transformed. Glad you could come out. I'm glad to have you out here, and we'll have you out here some more. And uh, we oh, look yeah. forward to it. And uh, yeah, hope your listeners, if they get down to Houston once this gets installed, you know, um, you know, enjoy it. And uh, it's for you guys, so we're happy to do it. Thank you. And you know, there's this isn't the last we'll hear from you because there's some cool stuff in the works that I don't think we can share yet. There but. is. Yeah, there's, you know, there's some stuff that um, that NASA, the Smithsonian's been having, you know, hang around for quite a while um, that um, we're going to get a, be able to uh, work on and have here at SpaceWorks. And so uh, we will sure keep you posted and let you, you know, you and your listeners know, because it's exciting too. a lot of this history stuff just is it's it's neat. And uh, what a time in America. And it's just really neat so we hope you guys uh tune in and enjoy and we'll keep you posted awesome thanks jack you bet have a great one okay all flight controllers gonna go for landing retro go Fido. go guidance go control and go surgeon go capcom we're go for landing eagle houston you're go for landing over it has been a long time since I've spoken with Carla due to some scheduling issues on my end. So welcome back to the podcast, Carla. You've got a lot of news for us today. We have so much going on, John. It's really exciting. Um, we're gearing up for a very spacey summer, if you will. Excellent. So starting off just even this week, our camps get going. So we'll see upwards of 1,100 campers throughout the summer. Um, we still do have some camps slots open so if you're interested and that even means you for the adults uh, we have our adult astronaut adventure camp that's happening again but like every summer camps from second grade through high school with an aerospace focus so you can learn as a young child about our solar system and about aliens and about life on another planet like Mars all the way up through your traveling camps where kiddos get to go to Houston and to um, California to visit major space centers, learn scuba diving, those kinds of things. So Lots of fun stuff. And the adult astronaut adventure is a lot of fun. Um, I would definitely recommend if, you know, the older listeners out there to come out to Kansas because there's going to be some other awesome things at the Cosmosphere besides the adult astronaut adventure. So... Yes, we have a lot going on. We're, we've already got up a couple of exhibits and um, some anniversary content. So for the Apollo 11 50th anniversary that's happening in July, we have a brand new rotunda exhibit. So that at the top of our museum stairs, it's called We Choose to Go to the Moon. You can see artifacts there. You can learn more about the mission. We have artifacts from Apollo 11 highlighted on a scavenger hunt. Uh, you can pick those scavenger hunt um, papers up at our box office or in our lobby. Go through the museum and see if you can find all of our Apollo 11 artifacts. We also have some Apollo era artifacts like our white room that are rather unique. Um, so we've highlighted those on that same flyer as well. You can check them out online on our website too. We're also encouraging our visitors to fill out a where were you when um, paper about the moon landing. So if you were live and present for the moon landing tell us about it and if you weren't what would have been your favorite or famous quote as a first person on the moon so we'll have that availability or that activity out for children and adults to participate in all summer long and then we'll hang them up on our celebration wall is what we're calling it awesome in the lobby 
we have a new interactive exhibit called Apollo Redux. So this is using one of our restored mission control consoles, and it highlights the job of mission control during the Apollo era and today. So it'll it's a it's a retrospective look and a present day look at what mission control does. You'll hear oral histories from mission controllers of the Apollo era. You get to sit at that console and interact with several of the buttons and switches and levers on it. You get to read about the, you know, famous missions that those consoles were a piece of. And, um, you know, as John and I were speaking about, it's pretty cool to be able to say you sat at the same place where someone in mission control sat when we landed on the moon. Most definitely. <laughs> um, so Still get goosebumps. <laughs> it, it is, it's pretty cool. Uh, we also have a new documentary that just started this last weekend. It's called Apollo 11 First Steps Edition. So this is the same film, essentially, that came out to major uh, movie theaters in um, the early spring. It's just a 45-minute cut. So this brand-new audio and video clips that have never been released before um, footage that really makes you feel like you're in the moment of that mission. So leading up the training um, through the launch and the landing and you get that full story. Well, in the visuals, I mean, the, this footage was shot on 70 millimeter film, so it looks like it was shot today. The the visuals are just so incredibly clear the sound is amazing and the color I mean like I, I saw it a couple months ago when it was in theaters and I can't wait to see the first steps edition just because you know I have to see the, all of these things um, but the quality of the picture looks like something that was shot today so definitely check out Apollo 11 it's I think the best documentary on Apollo period. And we'll continue to show it through the summer. So just in case you can't be here in July, doesn't mean you miss out on all of these things. We've got, we've got the exhibits up and going now, and we intend to run them through the remainder of the summer too. Excellent. Excellent. Of course, um, we've talked about this before, but the landing on the lawn event, yes. which is our big celebration on the 20th, this will be um, community focused. It's a free event for families. There'll be moon and theme spaced activities from lots of community organizations. Uh, to name a few, we've got the Hutch Recreation Commission, the Hutchinson Community College. We'll have the Hutch Zoo out here, the Hutchinson Public Library, Stratica, the Reno County Museum. Wow. The list goes on and on. Um, we'll have food trucks and music. Fun. And then at the end of the event, towards the evening, once it's dark, we'll show an outdoor um, movie of the landing. So the CBS footage on an outdoor screen and then a documentary. And then we'll have planet and moon observing with our science educators. So you can have make a full evening of it. Cool. That's 6 to 1130 on the 20th of July. Okay. We'll have lots of other activities that week leading up to it, a guest speaker, um, an author, a book discussion, um, some 
an additional musical performances moon okay. themed so I encourage everyone to keep an eye on our website and watch our e-blasts for information on those we also participate through the summer in Blue Star Museums so this is free entrance for military families awesome if you have questions about that I encourage you to call our box office at 620-665-9312 um, ask them about that participating in that program with us through the summer and then also for Father's Day we're offering our Father's Day BOGO again so this is buy one mission pass get dad in for free sweet that's a great deal yeah it, it really is and you can see so much and do so much this summer here with yeah. us so we think it's a pretty good deal generally speaking but particularly this summer definitely and the Apollo 11 the uh, scavenger hunt I'm really excited to do that I won't have time today but next time I'm out in June I plan on doing the scavenger hunt I could give you the highlight tour real quick okay it sounds good um, well Carla that's it for this month um, next month we'll have you back on again I'm sure there's going to be some more details uh, for events throughout the summer. So looking forward to having you back. Thanks for having me, John. Thank you for listening to the Cosmosphere podcast. Make sure you share and subscribe to the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review on iTunes. They're crucial to the success of podcasts, so we'd appreciate it if you could take just a minute to leave a rating or review. They help more people find out about the podcast and the museum. For the Cosmosphere, I'm John Mulnix.